space travel has always fascinated me. I'm a science fiction fan and all of that. But I grew up during sort of the, the birth of the space program. And in the 60s and the, the, the trips around the moon and the trip. Yes, I was born before they went to the moon. But it always fascinated me. And one of the things I wanted to be as a kid was an astronaut because I wanted to do that. God had other ideas. But NASA, astronauts going into space, the moon and beyond would not be possible without mission control. Houston, we have a problem. Remember Apollo 13. But mission control, the mission has been developed. The mission has been assigned. Mission control in Houston, this big room of men with computers and, and boards and all the monitors uh, tasked with overseeing and directing to make sure the mission, whether it be to orbit the moon or land on the moon or orbit the earth, whatever it was, to make sure that the mission was accomplished. So in one sense, the astronauts were tools in mission control's hand to fly the ship and accomplish the purpose. But it was always fascinating to me. And as I studied this text, the thing that I saw was God's sovereignty and mission control. Now, not for space flight, but for gospel progress. And so we see a, a higher and greater mission control. A heavenly, sovereign mission control in verses 6 through 10. And we, we have all sorts of questions that are not answered in verses 6 through 10. And they're not the point. But what we do see in this text is God's mission control over His mission using His people to accomplish His purpose and take His gospel to the ends of the earth. So we're into the second missionary journey. We've seen them encouraging the churches. They're traveling through and, and God is leading as they take the gospel beyond where they've already been. And in 16, 6 through 10, we see mission control is what I titled it. The main point is God perfectly coordinates the efforts of his church to accomplish his goal of world mission. God perfectly coordinates the efforts of His church. And I'm thinking church-wide. Entire church. To accomplish His goal of world mission. And as you know, if you've been walking with the Lord any, any time, pursuing His will, finding His will, involves both closed doors and open doors. That's the way we talk about things. But first, look at God sovereignly closing doors to mission. He sometimes closes doors to mission because of His purpose and how He has planned each individual component of that mission. God sovereignly closes doors to mission. Look in verses 6-8 through eight again quickly in case we didn't hear it when we read it the first time. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Paul and his companions, Silas and Timothy, whoever else are with them at this moment, have been blocked by the Holy Spirit. 
have been prevented by the Holy Spirit. Are being directed by the Holy Spirit. No, you can't go this way. No, you can't go this way. It's like, not to the right, not to the left. Keep going straight. I'll tell you more when you need to know. But they've been blocked. They desire to go beyond the churches that they've already seen planted and established. They've, they've gone through. They've delivered the decision of the council. I'll point you back to sermons on 15, chapter 15 on that. And they've encouraged and, and strengthened those bodies. And now they're seeking to go beyond those bodies to expand the mission. Because Paul knows, Timothy knows, Silas knows, God's church knows that the mission is mission earth. To take the gospel to Every nation. So they desire to go beyond those churches to preach the gospel in new places. You know they're praying. They maybe have done some planning. And maybe they thought, okay, we're going to leave Antioch and Syria and we're going to go into Asia. And we'll see God work fruitfully there. God bless us, guide us, direct us. And then they're blocked. Forbidden. Forbidden. In verse 6, forbidden to go into Asia. Forbidden as, you, as, they're, as they're going, and I'll show you, show you that in a bit. They're forbidden to go into Asia. They're forbidden to go into to Bithynia. And really, at that point, they, they're not told anything else. So they just keep plodding. They didn't sit down. They didn't let go. They didn't say, okay, we're going to stay right here till you tell us where we're going. They kept going. But see, I'm going to take a little bit of a side for just a minute. Here's how we mess up in Bible study. We get curious and we get focused on what we're not told. Here's how we miss the main point of the text. We focus on what we're not told instead of what we are told. What do we want to know when we read the Holy Spirit forbid them to speak in Asia? The Spirit of Jesus, same Spirit, Holy Spirit, did not allow them to go into Bithynia to preach. The Spirit wouldn't allow them to preach the gospel there. We want to know why. One of the questions we want to know is why? What in these verses tell us why? Do you think God told them why? Why, oh Lord? Think about Job. Did Job ever get the answer to why? No, he got the answer to who. God told him who he was. And that was enough for him. Being satisfied with the who gives us patience with the why. And helps us persist because we're satisfied in God. We're satisfied in His Son. They're not told why. And listen, here's the other question we want to know. Okay, it says that the Holy Spirit forbid them and that He would not allow them. We really get caught up on this. How did He do that? You know what? We don't know. We're not told. You know why? We don't need to know. And you can go through all sorts of hoops and jumping and, and jumping around and trying and, and come up to and you nothing more than guessing as to how he did that. Did he have skywriting in the clouds that said, no, not this way? No, not that way. I mean, did when they tried to turn into Asia, the wheels fell off the wagons. They got them back on, tried to turn to Bithyphia, wheels fell. 
Was it a voice? Paul. Was it an internal pressure or conviction? We're not told. We don't know. And here's the point. Because we don't need to know. So if you want me to talk about how he did this, I got nothing to say. I mean, we can suppose and bring in other scriptures and talk about how the God, God by His Spirit worked in a way through the apostles that was different and, and special and, and acts of the apostles. And we've already talked about that. I'll point you back to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. If you want to look into more of that, we've talked about that. But in this text, all we're told, all we're given is that He did not allow them. The Holy Spirit said no to going to Asia. So if you think about going up the road this way, and we'll see on the map, the road kind of curves. They're trying to figure out what God wants them to do. No, don't go to the left. No, don't go to the right. But notice it nowhere says that He told them where to go at that point. Now they know they're, they're on mission. They know they're supposed to be preaching the gospel. They have a desire to preach it where it's never been preached. But there's a lot of questions left unanswered by these verses because we don't need the answer. The things that are revealed, Deuteronomy 29, 29, belong to us and our children. But not the mysterious thing. Right? Don't go beyond what is written, Calvin and others said, because we're just guessing at that point. The Holy Spirit blocked them from going into Asia. The Holy Spirit blocked them from going into Bithynia. They were blocked by the Spirit. And that's all we need to know, so don't major on the minors. Focus, when you're studying your Bible, focus on what is said. Not what is not said. Now if you can bring in other texts that shed light comparing Scripture with Scripture, that's good. But no other text tells us what this was. And how this happened. So at this point, we just have to be satisfied. They were forbidden by the Spirit. Sort of leads me toward inner conviction, but you know... and. Rightly reading circumstances. But they were forbidden by the Spirit. They, they were not allowed by the Spirit to go in either of those two places. They were blocked. Sometimes we get frustrated when the Spirit blocks us, don't we? When God blocks us, we have a desire. We have something that, that we think he's calling us to it's a good thing maybe it's even a thing commanded in his word missions was and we're striving with all of our effort to do it and it's just closed door after closed door after closed door and if we're not careful when God blocks our plans we grumble and we complain and we accuse God don't we God I've been dreaming about this for I've been thinking this was your will for you seem to be leading me in this direction. And now look. I mean, where, where do you feel like the Spirit has blocked you? And maybe you're not in one of those moments. But be careful. Be wary of impatience. 
Be wary of frustration. Be wary of grumbling. That's an expression of unbelief. Of complaining. See, when the Spirit blocks us, sometimes we forget our theology, don't we? We get turned in on self. We forget the Gospel. Listen, the cross proves His love. The cross proves that He has our best in mind. The cross also proves there's pain in the plan. Nothing wrong when it hurts sometimes. We just don't want it to. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen, if you can look at the cross and not see that God has your best in mind, that His glory and your good enmesh in Christ, then you're not reading it rightly. God would sacrifice Himself for us. Our King would sacrifice Himself for us to redeem us. Can we not trust Him? Even if He doesn't answer all of our questions. He is blocking in order to lead. He's not stopping them. He's blocking in order to lead. And whatever you're struggling with, it seems like a roadblock. He's blocking in order to lead. Maybe to produce repentance in you. Maybe you're just stubbornly holding on to something. Maybe you've done nothing wrong and you're seeking His will and you want to go where He wants you to go. And it just seems like you're running into wall after wall after wall. They were running into walls and what they did, it seems to me, is just keep moving. Because they'd been blocked, blocked, but not blocked. Did they know what was going on? Mm -mm. They knew what wasn't going on. But they just kept moving. I think we do, though, have a little insight into why God blocked them. And I said comparing Scripture with Scripture a while ago. Very simply, they're not the only missionaries. <laughs> right? And remember I said mission control. God is sovereignly overseeing the mission to take the gospel to all nations. And He's using individual components in that mission. And not, you know, each person, each missionary doesn't have the task of reaching the whole world. Praise God. And so we have, we have some indications of why he wouldn't let them go into Asia, why he wouldn't let them go into Bithynia, why he kept them moving straight towards what we'll see as Macedonia. I have a map I want to show you. And it looks a little bit confusing, but the orange is the second missionary journey. So you see them going up into Derby. They'd already been there, encouraging and strengthening. Lystra, already been there, first missionary journey. Iconium already been there, first missionary journey. So they're strengthening and encouraging and building up the churches. Antioch and Pisidia. And this is where the new journey starts in the second journey, the orange arrows. And you see they start, they, they leave Antioch and they start to go this way, but they're blocked. So interpreting that, they go this way. Boom. They run into another roadblock and now they're moving over this way. Well, they'll eventually end up in Troas. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you can't go this way. You can't go that way. So they keep moving this way. Why might they be blocked from those two areas? Well, I don't know if you can see that. Can you see the names of any of those cities in Asia? Let me just read a few. Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, 
Sardis, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Any of that sound familiar to you? That was somebody else's responsibility. Look at John. Revelation 1.11 says this. Telling John what to do with the vision he had, right? Of Christ. and He says, verse 11, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Those cities. God would send John into Asia with the gospel. And there's a lot of details to that. I'll let you look up or talk about it later. But they didn't, God didn't send Paul and Silas and Timothy there because he's sending somebody else there. He didn't tell them that, but he blocked them from going into Asia. Okay, so he must be sending us on up. We're just going to do a larger loop and come back down into Antioch and report. But he blocks them there too. He wouldn't allow them to go north because he's going to send Peter and others that way. Who did Peter write to in the first epistle? Look, in 1 Peter 1.1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. Elect means chosen. Elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Back to the map. Pontus, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia. God was sending somebody else up here. So he directs Paul and, and Silas and Timothy between these two and on down the road. Not telling them why. God closes doors to one and opens them to another because He is mission control. He is the one seeing to it that His mission comes to pass. He is the one accomplishing His mission through the tools of the people that He sends and those who support them. So He closes doors to one, opens them to another. He's in control. God is sovereign in control of the mission. Therefore, we can trust Him when He blocks us. God is sovereignly in control of our lives. Therefore, we can trust Him when He blocks us. Why? Because He gives us all the information? No, because He sacrificed His Son and that's enough. And He tells us who He is. Will not the judge of the whole earth do right? What's the expected answer? Yes. See, it's the same thing in our lives when we're seeking His will. We are not given all the information we want. But we are sovereignly directed into the path He has marked out for us. You can't blame your sin on Him. He closes doors and it opens doors. And He interprets them through His Word and prayer and the counsel of others. Not by our feelings. Your feelings are untrustworthy. They will lead you astray. Our hearts tend to justify our desires. You know that, right? I have a desire for something. Maybe I don't see it as in and of itself it looks like a good thing, a thing that's okay. My heart will justify that desire. I dare not call the shots on my own. I best be praying and be in His Word. Now watch this because Americans are lone rangers. And... In counsel with others. 
Not my feelings. We're not Mormons. We don't go by the burning in the bosom to confirm anything. Sometimes it's heartburn. It's pizza. I want to do this, so I'm going to eat some pizza so my bosom will burn and I can say, hey, God's will. Just being silly. Many times our lives feel like we're walking through a maze, don't they? Oh, this is the right turn. This is the right Sometimes we just want a tractor to plow that maze down so we can go straight through it, don't we? Because we think we know what's best. We just want a map. We just want it easy. Growth doesn't come by easy. And missions don't happen by easy. And people seeking easy are not very useful to God. I've sought a lot of easy. What we really need is confidence in God and patience. Confidence in God and patience. Not laziness. Not just let go and let God. And I need some skywriting. He will lead and we'll grow in the process. He will lead and we'll grow in the process if we have confidence in Him and patience in tribulation. Look what Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but the purpose of the Lord will stand. There's a way that seems right to man, but at the end thereof, there's so many. Our hearts are not reliable. We need Him. We need His wisdom. We need His guidance. And He'll do that through prayer, through His Word, through His people. It seems... As we read this, that everything on the journey was either not mapped out from the start or was mapped out wrongly. And God's adjusting. But for now, they're blocked. They keep moving, but they're blocked. And they end up in Troas map. And you see right up here, which is a major port for those for the ships going to and from Macedonia. Now look what happens. Second point, God sovereignly opens the door to mission. They're in Troas. Verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. It was a man of Macedonia standing there urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought. We sought now watch that. We'll talk about that in a minute. We sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So it, this, this is the first time Luke includes himself in the narrative. With the we and us. He was with them. He is an eyewitness to all this. He knows what he's talking about. This is eyewitness testimony. But Paul. God directs through a vision. And I thought about Peter. You remember Peter? Now Paul. Remember Paul's conversion? He had, it says when he's, Ananias is sent that he had seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming to pray for him so that his sight would be restored. Or Peter's hungry. In chapter 10, he's hungry. And this sheet comes down full of unclean animals and the Lord says eat. And he's like, no way. And God says, don't call unclean what I've, called, what I've cleansed. Happens three times and then these three guys show up and he goes to Cornelius, God confirming his will through a vision. And here... There's a vision of a man from Macedonia. I don't know. Was he wearing the big M for Macedonia? I, it was just clear. And the reason it was clear is because he said so. Come to Macedonia. But Paul gets a vision. 
that gives him and the team direction. After they had gone through some blocks, they have been patient. They kept moving. They're in Troas. They don't know. Now they really, I mean, they can't just keep walking into those. They don't know where to go. And right on time, even though it seems late to us, God's always right on time. And right on time, He gives them further direction. Go to Macedonia. Through a vision. So we get a little more detail. Paul says a vision, a vision was an event in which something appeared vividly and credibly to the mind, although not actually present. There was not a real man from Macedonia standing in front of him. But it implied the influence or direction of, of, of God in their lives. And so Paul being an apostle, this is happening like it did with Peter and, and others, that God is sovereignly guiding him in this instance through a vision, letting him know what the next stop is. So God gives him a vision. The vision is clear. The man tells him to come to Macedonia. And it says, it says this. Now watch this. We sought, look, immediately Paul tells the vision and then we sought to go into Macedonia concluding. We concluded together talking about the vision that God had called us to go into Macedonia. So immediately they went to Macedonia to preach the gospel and God granted success. Now watch this, map back up. Over in Macedonia, look, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, down in through, we'll, we'll come into, to, this is all modern day Greece over here, Turkey over here. But it'll come back down into Athens and, and Corinth and places like that. But God didn't tell them ahead of time, go here, 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 and here, and here's where I'm going to plant churches. He just said, in general, boom, go, go to this place. So he's guided through a vision with next steps. And that's important. And God sovereignly grants success. And we'll, we'll get into that success as we move on and see more about the second missionary journey. But God sovereignly directed Paul next to Macedonia. And we'll stop right there. But on a personal level, I don't, I don't know if any of you have sensed a call to missions and that you think God may be calling you to foreign fields for missions. Certainly some of our Marines will get sent to foreign fields and their families. But, but, you know, if you are, if you are sensing that call, if God has really put a call on your life, He will confirm it. He will direct your path to where He wants you to go. And listen, the first place or places you decide might not be the right ones. God may, you may think you have a burden for a certain location and you may not end up going to Asia or Bithynia. You might end up in Troas, wonders what's going on before He directs you. But He will faithfully direct you through prayer, through His Word, through the counsel of His people who will all rightly interpret, hopefully, the circumstances. I'll tell you a story about a girl that um, became very dear to us, graduate student in Colombia, Rebecca Manrique, there in Costa Rica. But, but she went to Columbia Bible College and, you know, very missionary school and she had a burden for, for um, going to uh, the stands in general, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, all that. She had a burden. She was studying the people. She was preparing. She would have told you, God has called me there. 
I am supposed to go to Asia. I'm supposed to go to Bithynia. I'm supposed to go to Kazakhstan and, and reach these women because I have such a burden for them. Well, in God's sovereign plan, in the school before she graduated, she meets Manrique. Nice, passionate for Christ. Good-looking gentleman who won her heart. And so she thinks, okay, me and Manrique are going to Kazakh. You know where she's at? She's in Costa Rica. Their church plant, Manrique is a church planter in Costa Rica, and she's his wife, and they're raising a family there, and that's where God wanted her. He completely blocked her going to any of the stands or anywhere else. He obviously put this young man in her life. They, they were married, and they've gone through some blocks and hardship in Costa Rica, but they're where God wanted them, and He's using them, and He, will, he safely and, and led her there and him there through a lot of roadblocks and direction. I mean, how about home missions? We, we're, we're supposed to be witnesses here, but you know we can't reach everybody. God will put the people in your life He wants you to reach with the gospel. How about life in general? Just a, a little bit. God always gives us enough to know the next step. Just like Paul, he knew go to Macedonia, but he didn't give him all the details. God always gives us enough to know in the, at the right time the next step He wants us to take. He doesn't write the book about that step. He doesn't give us all the details about that step. If He did, it would scare us to death. But He gives us enough to know. They, they knew All they knew at one point was to keep moving, trusting God, and eventually He, through the vision, says, go to Macedonia. And why aren't you talking more about visions? That's not the main point of the text. That's a curiosity. Be careful. And we've talked more about that earlier in some studies. God always gives us enough to know the next step. Think about this. Abraham was mentioned earlier. What did God tell Abraham? Leave everything that's familiar and go where I'm going to send you. Leave your country, your kindred, and go to the land that I, that I will send you to. What land? How am I going to get there? Surely I can take some of my family with me. Leave. Go. I'll lead you. All he had was the next step. And it took him a while to disconnect, didn't it? Go to the land, I'll show you. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a detailed plan. He was just told, go. And all we really need to know is the next step. Some of us are sitting and waiting for the book. <laughs> it's not coming. It'll come as you walk through it. We need to know God's will. We need to trust Him. We need to have patience. And we'll know that next step. We'll know that next step through prayer. You and those around you. Through the Word. Seeking and applying the principles of, of God to the Word. I mean, some decisions are clear in the Word. You know, whether to buy a red or a blue Toyota is not so clear. Which one do you like? Get that one. Right? But some things are clear. Would God have us rob banks? No. Right? 
I need money, so I'll rob a bank. Well, that's clear. That's immoral. That's against God's commandments. You're a believer. Would God have me marry an unbeliever? No. That's clear. But, but I, I have confidence they'll change. A lot of doom has happened because of decisions like that. Some things are clear. Not things, should I go to Asia as a missionary? Well, there's no verse for that. But God will confirm it in your heart and those around you's heart and help you make that decision if that's what He wants you to do. Should I start a new business? Should I leave this job that's aggravating the tar out of me? Don't make that decision by yourself. If you're married, guys, I want to speak to you for a minute. But same for the ladies. But we're, we're, we're worse about bullying our way through than the ladies are. If you are married and you think you should do a thing and you think God's calling you to that thing and your wife is saying, mm -mm, got none of that. I have one word for you. Stop. Because you are one flesh. And your husband and your wife are believers. I'm assuming that. Right? If God's not convinced her of it, maybe the sign is wait. But don't you dare grab her by the hair and drag her into your dream if God has not convinced her of that. You wait. And you pray. And you seek counsel. Not just from her, but from her or him. But from your church and your pastors and those around you who love God. Because sometimes we're bad about saying, nope, God told me you just trust me. And I don't know what kind of woman y'all are married to, but Cindy would be like, you know, when God tells me, I'm going along with you. Not in a mean way, but I, mean, I, but I really trust her input. And, if, and a lots of times I've been gung-ho about something and she's like, I don't think so. And I go, hmm. If I'm thinking right, I go, hmm, let's, let's get, you know, let's wait, let's pray, let's see, because everything God has led us to do, she may not have been on board immediately, but she comes on board, and then, then we're a team, we're one flesh, right, and we go. If your wife or your husband is not on board, wait, stop, don't be a bully. Guys, don't be a bully. Should we wait on a vision? No, thank you. No, we should not. Many or extraordinary things were being done through the apostles, and this is part of that. Am I saying God could not do that? I am not saying that. As I'm, am I saying He's never doing that anywhere? But no, but he's, not, he's certainly not ordinarily doing that. But what He's made clear in His Word, that His Word is enough, rightly interpreted. His people, life done in community, prayer, Word, community, through that, He'll lead us into His will. I've never had a vision. I've had some really bad dreams. But I've never had any sort of vision like this. But God has faithfully led us and provided for us. I can't confess your story, but that's just, that's just the truth.
And I'm not telling you I didn't want all this stuff to happen. Boy, wouldn't it be easier? But no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't grow. As a church, we have our marching orders to go into the world. We have His complete Word, the same Holy Spirit, the riches of His church and His people. And we should have patient and confident hearts that trust He has our best at heart. So as a church, we need to do this, and you individually need to do this. When God blocks you, be patient. Keep honoring Him where He has you. Glorify Him in the situation you're in. Have joy in Him where you are. If, you, if your joy is dependent upon you going somewhere else or doing something else, that thing is an idol. Or that person. I'm not pointing at anybody in particular on purpose. The gospel is big enough. Christ is glorious enough for me to have joy and be settled wherever he has me. And then in time, he will lead me onward from there. And as a church, right? Trust, be patient, watch, be intentionally on mission but not, don't be foolish. Don't run ahead. So we're going to pick up this story next week. But we're going to see that their patience pays off. That the direction was true. And that the, the path God clarified after blocking them. The path He clarified was the right path. It was His path. And we'll see more souls saved and more churches planted. But see, I think when we back away from this text and we look at this text in the whole, is what we see is God. What the main point is, is God. His sovereign control of, of everything, including His church. We see God as mission control. He's in full control of the gospel going to the ends of the earth in His way, on His timetable. And He guides each of us as to our role in the process. And if you're wondering, if you're a believer, you have a role in the process. Talking to people about Jesus around you, giving to the, the efforts, and maybe some of you getting, being the ones sent to plant another church or to go to the foreign field. We don't know. But we have a heavenly mission control and that should give us peace and confidence to know that one day, one day, as Corey prayed and as we see fulfilled in the psalm, as we, we can see if we're looking rightly in this text, as we'll see as they go on in the journey, one day the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the water cover the sea. One day all peoples will glorify Him. One day missions will be over. One day we will be in new heavens and new earth. No more sin, no more misery, no more sorrow, no more pain. But that will happen through God using His church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And His church is His people. You. Me. He never fails. He always exceeds. His will for you is good and true. Wait, be patient, trust, watch. Don't get frustrated when you're blocked. He is accomplishing something in you, through you, and big picture through us to reach a people, His elect, His children from every tribe, nation, 
language, people, and time. I'll read a verse and then I'm done. What's the outcome of all this? Look at Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, the Lamb slain. I'll let you go read. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open, open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Mission control has been successful in accomplishing the mission. Let's pray. May all the peoples praise you, O Lord, including us. As a church, may we praise you and rest in you and trust you and wait on you actively as we're seeking to go out and be light and salt for you. As a church and in our daily lives, help us to trust you. Help us to wait on you. Help us to rest in you. But help us to go. Help us to take the next step when you make it clear. Knowing that someday this is true. The waters, the, the, the glory of God, the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Someday a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation would be gathered around you, praising you and worshiping you. We will live in a new heavens and a new earth. Where there's no sin and therefore no misery. In the meantime, help, help us to spend our lives for you. Help us to trust you. Help us to be satisfied in you. Help us to rest in you. Help us to wait on you. Help us to go for you. Thank you for the picture, Lord, that we see of you watching over guiding, leading, protecting, blessing, and using your church. And help us not to get caught up in the things that aren't revealed, but to be enjoying and mired up in and digging in and living in the rich truths that we have in your word. Lord, the gospel that Paul was called to take to the ends of the earth and share, the gospel that we are called to take to the ends of the earth and share is your son. Christ died for our sins. Praise God. He was buried and he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And you give us salvation as a free gift through trusting in him. Lord, I pray that every heart here in this room, every heart listening over the internet, will be hearts that you are at work in by your grace so that they repent and trust Jesus. Help us to turn from everything else, from sin, from self, from thinking we know what is best, to change our minds, to repent, to turn to you, to love and trust you, to receive you, Lord Jesus, as our salvation. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Trust Him. Help us to trust You. And help us to live for You. May we be able to say with growing conviction. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. For it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.